Hello, I'm Oliver Wong. And I'm Morgan Rhodes. You're listening to Heat Rocks. Every episode, we invite a guest to join us to talk about Heat Rock, you know, an album hot enough to burn its way into our collective memory. And today, we're taking it to the rooftop like we're bringing 88 back by revisiting the debut LP by the Jungle Brothers, Straight Out the Jungle. By the height of the golden era in the mid-1990s, the most visible standard bearers from the Native Tongues posse would be groups like A Tribe Called Quest and De La Soul. But lest we forget, the first trio to actually introduce and embody the Native Tongues ethos was made up of a pair of Harlemites, Mike G and Sammy B, and Brooklyn's Africa Baby Bam, collectively known as the Jungle Brothers. Their debut arrived during the height of the superhero MC era, led by larger-than-life figures like Big Daddy Kane, LL Cool J, and of course, Run DMC. The Jungle Brothers weren't above bragging and boasting. They even have a song entitled that on the album. But they were equally content to rhyme about Afrocentricity and reclaiming the term jungle from racists, rhyming about their prowess as undercover lovers and, well, their Jimbrowskis. As we'll get into later, 1988 was one of hip-hop's most important if not greatest year, partly because it saw the flowering of so many different kinds of style emerge. We're not here to claim that the Jungle Brothers' vision for hip-hop was better than Public Enemies or NWAs or MC Lights, but with Straight Out the Jungle, they gave us a new facet to peer into and admire. Not by trying to stunt harder than the next rapper, but by offering a different sense of identity and community. Black Medallions, no gold. Straight Out the Jungle was the album pick of our guest today, Salam Remy. Every now and again in my line of work, someone will use the word flourishes. And they'll use it like this. Do you think we could add some little flourishes to the track? In and out of music, I actually like that word and that phrasing a lot. But when it comes to our guest, there's nothing little about the flourishes he adds to a track. One need only hear what he did to the incredible bongo band's Apache to know what I mean. One need to know how these flourishes gave us Tina Marie's reimagined Fuji La for the Fujis to know what I mean. How his production took a young singer with an old soul and even older influences and added soul and Caribbean flavors to her jazz to know what I mean. And I mean Amy Winehouse how his touches shaped and inspired a then-little-known Australian band named Hiatus Coyote and made them your favorite tastemakers, favorite tastemakers, playlist go-to. There are gems, lots of them. Gems for Sailor Sue, Jasmine Sullivan, Alicia Keys, Liam Bailey, Lettucey, among others, and tons of other scorchers I could go on and on about. When I think of some of the sounds he's crafted, I'm reminded of a scene from one of my favorite films, Searching for Bobby Fischer, about a chess prodigy who's told in a key scene to study the game, plan ahead, strategize, and know exactly where you need to go to win, but not to move until you see it. That is Salam Remy, a producer who sees songs, sounds, and samples differently. So he moves on a track differently. And yeah, some real G's move in silence. But this one, this man moves and flourishes. Salam Remy, welcome to Heat Rocks. Oh, thank you. My pleasure to be here in such a wonderful intro. I'm amazed about <laughs> your perspective on my simplicity. So I, I love it. We have to ask you, as we ask all the time, do you remember the first time listening to the Jungle Brothers? Yes. I remember hearing them first like on the radio. In different songs, but listening to this album, I do remember the first time I listened to it. Was it Love at First Listen? Uh, yes, because I already probably, I'd say four or five of the songs on the album, I'd already loved because I taped them off the radio. You know, growing up as a kid in New York at that time, you know, the what I taped off the radio was my fuel to get me to school. It was my uh, gas, to, <laughs> that and my bus pass. Walkman and bus pass is what got me to school. It wasn't just a bus pass. 
and being able to get through the cold, you know, you had to make your tape at the weekend because hip hop was only being played on Friday and Saturday nights. And hopefully you tape good stuff. And Red Alert being family to the Jungle Brothers would always play certain Jungle Brothers records. So, you know, there were certain songs that definitely um, pushed it there. But I'm sure the first one I ever heard was Jimbrowski, which made me go, what in the what? What's a Jimbrowski? <laughs> Who are these people? And what's happening? They were also in an um, amazing uh, push to the culture, you know, because it's always about not who's the fruit at the end of the tree, but who's actually going to start something that makes everybody wonder how to move forward. And Jungle Brothers definitely did that. Then your baddest rope chain. I guess that should explain why it was given the dope name. For some is free, for others is a fee. But if you come to me, I'll give the Jimmy for free. Hey. Spell it with the G and not with the G. What do the Jungle Brothers call it? The Jim Brown. So, um, I have to ask because you obviously were coming up in, I think at the time, just the richest hip hop radio market that w- was in the States. Um, but which shows were you spending the most time with? And, and where, was Jung- where were the Jungle Brothers being pushed through? Uh, primarily, I mean, obviously that connection with Red Alert, I would think would be on his show, but I'm yeah. assuming other DJs in the area were, were pumping this stuff too. Um, Jungle Brothers, you would get more Jungle Brothers on KISS FM. Like each DJ had their thing. So WBLS was Mr. Magic and Molly Mall. So you would mostly get Juice Crew exclusives before they were even finished by Molly Mall being the DJ for Mr. Magic on BLS. They were the only ones there. And then mm-hmm. that was Friday or Saturday night. And then on KISS FM in New York at the time, you would get Chuck Chill Out on Fridays and Red Alert on Saturdays. Ladies and gentlemen, the sounds you're about to hear is from Cool DJ Red Alert on 98.7 Kiss FM. Hey, Daddy, start it off like this. And Red Alert Saturdays also were right before his set at the Latin Quarter or Union Square. So you would also be getting like almost like what was going to happen in the New York teenage hip hop breaker record, you know, BDP breaking, everyone breaking clubs. So his promos that he would call them and things that he would do from the 45 King or from Boogie Down Productions, everything else. And the Jungle Brothers would happen. And, you know, on this album, there's a song called The Promo that was really there first. But definitely, you know, with Mike G, I think is Red's nephew. And Sammy B's his cousin, maybe something like that. Yeah. And, you know, realistically, you would get Jungle Brothers, you know. He was on Jim Browski, matter of fact. So it was right. almost like you're hearing it as a Jim Browski as a promo. And the amazing thing about that time was it was the time when sampling was really kicking into another level. And it wasn't just like somebody would make a beat. It's like when they turned around and found a sample, you were also getting a brand new sonic texture that was now along with whatever they were saying. And I always say it's a lyrical revolution, a musical revolution, and a new voice at the same time, which gives us a push forward. And Mm. Jungle Brothers, you know, they had what they referred to as the baby band beats. It was just like, you know, I couldn't imagine trying to drum machine program. At that time, I had a drum machine. And I'd be sitting there like, Dad, I don't know. The drum machine's not doing what Molly Maul did. And I didn't figure out for years that he was sampling... (laughs) Um, James Brown or sampling something that had a whole nother sonic texture. So here I am yeah. trying to play funky drummer on a 707 and I'm sounding like I'm stuck in a Curtis Blow session and I want to get to a Big Daddy Kane session. You know, so it's like, where are you going with it? But the reality was um, the Jungle Brothers brought something forward because between Jim Browski and because I got it like that, you know, when the samples being from, you know, like Funkadelic or Sly and the Family Stone, the sonics of it was just so crazy. It made you go, whoa. And then they had their own little jungle book. They had their own little mumble that was making you feel a certain type of way. And they brought their own vibe. You know, Black Medallion's no goal, as they say in the first track. And they really pushed something forward, which was important for the native tongues, was important for hip hop, and to also have the varied perspective because everything that we had for the most part at that time was, you know, a little bit more, um, how can I say it? Between BDP, Big Daddy Kane, and Rakim, we had gotten something that was a little bit more, the boss is here. And they were kind of like, yeah, we're the dudes that's really getting it done. We're in the grit. They had another perspective. Some people say that I'm living inside the fast lane. Some even say 
and I'm going insane. Yesterday I called my mother up on the phone. Hello. She said, son, when are you coming home? How many places do you have to go? Tell me, please, because I'd like to know. I haven't seen my brothers in a year or two. Thanks just to know what I'm Oh, there's so much to dig into with just everything you just said. But before we get there, Morgan, I just want to hear about your introduction to the Jungle Brothers. Yeah, and I'm so glad that we're talking about this album, Salam. When we found out that you had chosen this one, I was like, good Lord today. Because how I came to know the Jungle Brothers is one of my favorite stories to tell. And I think every music fan should have a moment. I cannot take credit for the discovery by myself. I was turned on to the song by um, a friend named Lisa Loke. And the night I discovered the Jungle Brothers was actually also the night that I met her. Um, it was back in the day. It was a, you know, a Gen X version of a kickback. And one of my homegirls said, oh, I'm, a friend is coming over. And we were, you know, doing our thing. Some of them were doing unsanctified things. I wasn't, you know what I mean? But they were. Because I know my mother's listening to the, to this. Uh, but anyway, she came through. And uh, my homegirl had a boombox. And Lisa Loke said, you know, could she, you know, could she play some music? And we were like, yeah. She puts in the tape. And the first song that I hear is Behind the Bush. Mm. And I was like, what is this? Yeah. Oh, yeah, honey. I know we are. Yeah. We know this live from Africa. Uh, Straight out the jungle. We're the jungle runs, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's what we call Behind the Bush. Uh, And to add to that, she starts dancing. And I'm just so shocked at the sound, at this girl that I've met 15 minutes ago who is in the living room juking. She's doing this interpretive dance movement. And all I want to know after we all get up and start dancing to this is who are these dudes and what did I just hear? It's cold out there, but it's warm in here. I know you have a lover, lover, but I do not care. Come on. It's one of the best moments I've ever had because mm. it was so pure. And to watch someone love a song like that, like it didn't even look like freestyle movements. It looked like she had choreographed some things to this. And that was my introduction to the Jungle Brothers. It was later on that I would get into Buddy. But this was the moment for me where I thought, man, it was just it was just something that I had never heard before. And to have that experience watching someone enjoy it the way that she did is, I think, the way to to hear a song for the first time. It's one beautiful thing to discover it, as all music fans know. It's another thing entirely to watch someone be in love with a song. And that song for me was Behind the Bush, and that was my introduction. So shout out to Lisa Look. The takeaway from that, it's a cautionary tale about let someone step to the boom box without prejudice because you don't know what they're going to put in there. And for me, uh, it was the Jungle Brothers. So shout out to Lisa Loke, wherever you are. I appreciate you, sis, uh, for turning me on. So that's how I came to know them. This is not the first time that you've mentioned Lisa on the show. And I'm, I'm always here for Lisa Loke stories because, as I said the last time, just the greatest name ever. The fact that I did. Did yes. she ever become an MC? Because she should have with that name. She's a chef, actually. She's still cooking she up one way or another. <laughs> Chef Lisa Loke. Lisa Loke. I love that. Yep. Um, so for me, it was actually Buddy. It was the Native Tongues Decision remix of Buddy where I first started to pay attention to the Jungle Brothers. But it took me, I got to confess here, it took me a long time to listen to most of the, the group's uh, first two albums because, and I mentioned this before, I've mentioned this many times on the show, but I didn't start listening to hip hop in earnest until after the summer of 89. And at the time, it didn't occur to me to go back to the albums that I just missed from earlier in the year, let alone 88 or 87 or whatever. So I don't think I actually got around to listen to listen to either Straight Out of the Jungle or Done by the Forces of Nature until really years after they had come out. Um, and for that reason, even though I certainly consider myself to be a huge Native Tongues fan, I never spent as much time with the JBs as I did with De La or Tribe. And to be super honest, I probably have spent more time listening to the Chia Lee album 
than the first two Jungle Brothers LPs put together, which is not a commentary on the quality of the JBs at all. It has really just to do with me and my listening practices. So I came to the group late. In a lot of ways, I feel like I'm still catching up uh, with the greatness of especially those those first two albums. So, yeah. I, I don't remember which which episode it was, but I think you asked me or you asked our guest of the Native Tongues Collective you know, which group was your favorite? Do you yeah. remember asking me that? And yeah. who are we talking to? It, I, probably, I'm guessing maybe it was the Daylight episode with uh, Thomas Gulipik. Okay. Yeah. Because I think I said Jungle Brothers, didn't I? Yeah, which which surprised me because most, yeah. I mean, for most, it would either be Dale or a Tribe. It's really like a two-person, a two-group race. But certainly, let's not forget, like, Jungle Brothers were the introduction. Like, they started it, yeah. you know? Yeah. This is not to say I think that they were the best out of the collective, but th- my association with them has to do with that story that I told sure. you. So they've, uh, they've got that place uh, absolutely. Uh, in my heart. And, you know, all three of us have been talking a lot about thinking about the group and their emergence specifically in the year of 1988. And Morgan, I know you have some additional thoughts on this. Well, I wanted to talk to Salam a little bit and ask about the sound of 1988. It's a great year for hip hop. Obviously, we've got hits. We've got a- a- Adventures of Slick Rick. Once upon a time not long ago When people wore pajamas and lived life slow Well, laws were stern and justice stood And people were behaving like they ought to good We got uh, one of my favorites, MC Light Light is a rock mm. I'm not the kind of girl to try to play a man out I take the money in again to break the hell out No, that's not my strategy, not the game I play I admit I play a game, but it's not done that way We got... EPMD strictly business. Sound like a pump. I just get down and I go for mine. Say check one two. I run down the line. To the average MC, I'm known as the Terminator. We've got uh, Big Daddy Kane. Long live the Kane. I'm on the stage. Is where I'ma get you at. You think I'm losing? Picture that. And so I wanted to ask, out of those that we mentioned, and besides the Jungle Brothers. What were you listening to in 1988? What other um, albums or records were you bumping then? So, you know, recently, I actually the other day I was having a conversation with Master Flex, who I kind of was around at that time. Like, by the time I got out of high school, my dad used to manage Chuck Chill Out, and me and Flex were his gophers. Where the, mm. I was an intern. That was my life. You know, running around while I was in my first year of college. Whatever Chuck told me to do, hey, go get that. You know, go get me a shamish. You know, whatever it was. That was <laughs> I was in hip-hop. And Flex was no driver, his driver. He would drive him from the Bronx to wherever he had to go, sit there. And then when Chuck wasn't on point, I ended up getting the production work um, after doing some work along with him. And Flex ended up getting the DJ work. And we're still doing what we're doing. And Chuck is a legend. But basically for me, um, you know, the thing about all the artists that you mentioned that came out in 88, because I was sitting at the, I had to tape this on the radio. I had to know what was going on. No, I, my first productions were in the 80s during that time. And I was really living it, breathing it. You know, I was in it. My dad was working in the business. I got a chance to go to Latin Quarter. I was seeing all these people. Slick Rick is my favorite rapper, period. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like, there's no other favorite rapper of mine. Slick Rick is my favorite rapper. You know, my taste, my taste is really 88 to 94. Everything after that, I was kind of in it, you know, 95, I did Fujila and whatever else. But, you know, my taste in what I'm going to and what I'm living is really 88 to 94 because that's when the album started coming out. It was my my job after school to make sure I stopped by the record store. I would talk to Mr. Walt at the Music Factory, who you know, became of the Beat Miners later on. He would have the, the smart-ass commentary and maybe sell you the record if he felt like it. So my experience... <laughs> Literally, you know, that was near my high school. So between the bus stop and high school was the music factory at Mr. Walt. Here we go. Well, I'm a short shot shooting. I'm the big shot. The big yeah. shot. Just the biggest. Yeah. And I know I'm hot. Yeah. Say I'm yeah. the baddest. Just the baddest. And I'm on the top. Talking MCs try to stop me. But I won't stop. As I just send disgust. All the bombs I bust. I leave them all in the dust. When I start the thrust. The other blessing for me was later on in life. I got a chance to record with Mike G and Africa separately. And ask a gazillion questions. <laughs> that I always wanted to know. Which is still helps me to this day. You know. Mike was cool. We recorded and did some stuff. And Mike was just everything he you expect him to be. But Africa told me that the album came out on the day of their high school graduation. I have to look and see what the mm. date of the release was. But he's like, it came out on their high. They were really in high school making this stuff. 
and that they made all of the routines to the God Made Me Funky beat that I guess they use that on Bragging and Boasting, but they banged that on the lunchroom table and they wrote all the routines to banging that on the table. And then Africa said he would go out and try to find beats to match the song because now they had the routine already. They just had to find beats for it. So a lot of this album was really like a high school project to get done. Like, what are we going to do when we grow up? I don't know. We're going to bang on the table and find a way to drop an album for our graduation. Here's your diploma. It's called Straight Out the Jungle. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 yes. and, and the achievement for what it became, you know, True Q-Tip's introduction, you know, the, everything else that had to happen. It was just like, where are we right now? And what is just happening? And how are these guys now taking what was well-established as hip-hop, what was everything that was there, and now guiding it into this jazzier, not about the flash, everything else zone. Yeah. Beautiful. Even though it was recorded on the A-track, you know, and I remember the first time I was around Bugsy, who was like a radio DJ in New York. He's like, you heard the Tropical Quest? I was like, yeah, I heard it. It sounds like Jungle Brothers with money. They got a budget. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was like, well, he's like, he was like, he's like, what do you mean? And I produced it at the time. I'm like, what do you mean by that? He just sounds like Jungle Brothers got a budget. Like they, they had some real studio time. You know, Jungle Brothers sound like they did it in their back room. And they did. They did it in a raw studio, but the rawness is kind of what made it. Like even listening to it now, I'm like, yeah, they maybe could remaster it, but guess what? It was so raw, it was what it was supposed to be, straight out the Jungle Brothers. You know, the mixes were done live. They didn't have their samplers. They were really playing the records back, back to back and making it work. And the beauty of it was that it was so raw that it almost couldn't be replicated by the time they did have a budget. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes, yes, y'all. Yes, yes. Oh, yeah, don't stop. They keep on to the break of door. They keep on to the break of door. You got to be on time or when you bust your rock. And you can't be whack when you rap your best. You got to get on the mic and do your best. I appreciate so much the, the depth that you're getting into here, Salam, because I was thinking about something that I had just read that you had said, I think, once to, to Young Guru, either you said it to him or he had overheard it, but this was in an interview that he had given to Jeff Mao uh, for the Red Bull, uh, Red Bull Music Academy. And he quoted something that you said, once said, which, which is that, quote, it's very easy to make a beat. The hard part is making the right beat for the right artist at the right time, unquote. And in thinking about that idea and this Jungle Brothers album in particular, what strikes me, and this really goes back to what I was saying earlier about how I didn't start listening to this album until years after it had, it had come out. And so by the time, let's say in the, the mid-90s, right, golden era sampling-based production standards, Straight Outta the Jungle sounds kind of primitive, I think, by comparison, because it was made mm -hmm. at the very beginning of that movement, as, as you were just talking about. For this album, was this an example of the right beats for the right artists at the right time? I had two-pronged questions. So the, the reality is that you know, the other part of the beauty of 85, 86, 87, 88 was that the majority of the music that came out was on these Ultimate Breaks and Beats albums that were put out by, you know, Breakbeat right. Lou and my man Street Beat Lenny. Right. <laughs> um, rest in peace, Street Beat Lenny. So what was able to happen was that the same Breakbeat would go to Molly Mall, would go to Hall Howie T., We'll go to Herbie Lovebug. We'll go to Ultra Magnetics. We'll go to the Jungle Brothers. We'll go to some of De La Soul's people. Um, Dr. Dre will call up downstairs records and get a box of records shipped to him. They would end up on Straight Outta Compton. They would end up everywhere. The same exact records, same five records. The new breakbeat came out. It was almost like the newspaper came out and everybody pulled from the same thing. It was almost like, almost like a meme. Okay, why am I seeing this meme everywhere? Because everybody has the meme at the same time. It was the thing. But the beauty was that everyone did their own interpretation of it back to their personality, to the personality of the producer and to the personality of the vocalist. You would get a whole nother song with the same records, you know, and they were in more studios. Some of the guys, Howie T had his home studio. Jungle Brothers were in a, another home studio. EPMD would have it. And they will all approach it differently. So the beauty of that time was that you definitely got a producer's personality and an artist's personality in the record. Unlike now, where different people have different personalities, but they're scared to break the sonic wall of doing something different with the same things. It all has the same processing. 
it might as well have been the same food. You know, it's just like the same thing. But now what kicks in on the other side of it is that the Jungle Brothers, A, were using beats that weren't just on those break beats. They were stepping out, but they also did it in their own way so that there was no actual comparison to how they did it compared to someone else. You know, with the Jim Browski drums, I don't remember anybody else using that until Dr. Dre used it with the DLC. It was just, they sped it up on 45. It sounded different. It came out a particular way. And then the way that they utilized it made somebody not want to sample what they did. The way they utilize, you can make it if I if you try with the slide stone with the digga, 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 yes. da, 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 the way they took that and the song yeah. they put across it with the dancing on the dance floor, they use the rawest part of that record. I think it's a beautiful thing. And the Jungle Brothers definitely made their mark in two ways. One, by using stuff that we didn't know what in the world it was. So I didn't know that, you know, those drums on Behind the Bush, I was like, how are they slapping like that? How did they program it? I wasn't clear that they caught the best part because it was a simpler part of the Isaac Hayes Joy record. But they caught a break in the middle of it that was a little bit offbeat. And that was Africa's baby band beat thing. He would catch something that's offbeat a little bit and then make it the main part of what you're hearing. You know, the same thing with the I'm Gonna Do You. It's a groovy lady by the meters, but the way that it boom, 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 bling, boom, bling, bling, and then they're cutting in the bass line and cutting it in the half bar. It's like, what did you do? I don't understand. I do understand that I just liked it. You know what I mean? Yeah. To that end and on that note, do you have favorites? There's so there's so much good stuff to choose from, but are there favorite samples? I would probably say I'm gonna do you is the thing that had me stuck. It was it was the record that had me stuck. It was the one I probably played the most. I mean, because I got it like that, I loved and I played it so much, and then when I knew what it was, but I still looked at um, I'm going to do you like capturing two meters 45s and then just making it into its own thing. And even the little guitar, I still don't know what that is. <laughs> you know, when I, I, for years I had records that one of my engineers would sample, you know, Mike G saying, you fell in love, they got shot by Cupid. You know, it was just like its own mode. And also they're singing yeah. on the end of it. But, you know, they're the groovy lady. And I forgot the name of the record with the bass line. Boom, 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 boom. Give me some love and now you seem to act funny. Was it? She got bliss. Oh, for one simple kiss so that you could not resist. When I threw you the gift, let's do this. Not just to say we did it because I'm committed. Yeah, rigor mortis. By the meters on the, on that part of it, it was just like that was. I think that's probably it. And I also did love the way you know, straight out the jungle, utilized mango meat by Mandrill. Um, yeah, you know, and, and the movement of it that was still one of my favorite things. The kiss of my love and the mango meat just went together like, like who knew you didn't need anything else? Those two records made such a, a beautiful piece together. Mm-hmm. 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 Mm-
Say what? Say what? Say what? Can I dip in really quick about 1988? Because just going back to it a bit, it was a great year for hip hop. But for me, it was also a great year for house music, Mm -hmm. which I was falling in in love with. Mm -hmm. I had a fake ID. Um, I know my mother's listening to it. (laughs) You know, I was peer pressured. Okay. Um, But uh, I had a fake ID. So I was going to the clubs. I was listening to a lot of Ralphie Rosario used to hold me, um, Inner City, Jack Your Body, and and Move Your Body, obviously Marshall Jefferson. So Mm -hmm. to have a record like this and to have house music on it for me was like, you got to be kidding me. Um, It was an exciting time for me at the clubs. It was an exciting time for me getting into those beats, learning to dance to those beats, staying out all night long. Again, peer pressured mom. Um, but also listening to Joe Smooth Promised Land, and I and I found a very uh, a very cool clip of Africa talking about how their song came to be. And Christian, if you can play this, so Girl Our House you came about organically. Uh, Red Alert set was start off with like a warm up hip hop set with like Biz Markie, Nobody Beats the Biz, and then I remember he put on this record. It was a red label, white letters. Tracks records and it was Marshall Jefferson uh, Move Your Body So then one day after school I went down to Coney Island to TTO Studios Tony Dick Atlas Records and we was at the end of the album, and he said, you guys want to make a house record? I immediately, I was like, yeah, hell yeah. Recorded it on the tape machine. Psh. I remember sitting like outside the control room on the ladder. Then I got up and started dancing. 20 minutes later, I had my part written, recorded. He goes on to talk about, you know, the reception to it and everything. But but for me as a kid in 1988, um, I was I was listening to all kinds of music, but really, really falling in love. Um, with house music and partying to this. So um, I'll house you. I was listening to Mr. Fingers, Can You Feel It? But so having this song on here for me made me love the Jungle Brothers even more. I was surprised um, that it was included, but but it was just so cool to hear for me to hear um, house and hip-hop melded together. For me, it was like the best of both, both worlds. And to me, it made um, house music more accessible. So I could party to it, but my homeboys could party to it too that love this album, so... I just had to say that about 1988. Well, we will be back with more of this incredible conversation with Salam Remy about the Jungle Brothers and Straight Out the Jungle and pretty much everything else after a brief word from some of our sibling Max Flynn podcast. Keep it locked. A little higher, jump, jump until you get tired. How's your body? How's your body? How's your body to the base? I'll see it all over the place. Don't let nobody get in your way. I listen to Bullseye because Jesse always has really good questions. What did John Malkovich wear when he was 20? <laughs> I don't know how to describe it. There's always that moment where Jesse asks a question that the person he's interviewing has not thought of before. I don't think anyone's ever said that to me or acknowledged that to me, and that is so real. Bullseye, interviews with creators you love and creators you need to know. From MaximumFun.org and NPR. Hey, Jay Keith. Hey, Helen. Hey, you've got another true-false quiz for me? Yep. Our trivia podcast, Go Fact Yourself, used to be in front of a live audience. True. Turns out that's not so safe anymore. Correct. Next. Unfortunately, this means we can no longer record the show. False. The show still comes out every first and third Friday of the month. Correct. Finally, we still have great celebrity guests answering trivia about things they love on every episode of Go Fact Yourself. Definitely true. And for bonus points, name some of them. Recently, we've had uh, Ophira Eisenberg, plus tons of surprise experts like Yardley Smith and Suzanne Summers. Perfect score. Woo-hoo. You can hear Go Fact Yourself every first and third Friday of the month with all the great guests and trivia that we've always had. And if you don't listen, well, then you can go fact yourself. That's the name of our podcast. Correct. Woo-hoo. 
Yo, and we are back on Heat Rocks. We're talking about the Jungle Brothers in 1988, Straight Out the Jungle, with Salam Remy. Salam, you obviously have had a really distinguished and storied history as a producer and have worked on hundreds of songs, many of which have become iconic. Though I think for me, just on a personal sentimental level, it's really hard to beat the hip hop remix that you did for Supercats, Get a Red Hot, I think from what, like 92 or 93. Um, and as someone who's was starting off as a DJ in the Bay Area, what I can tell you is that that remix got such heavy, heavy run at the time. And it's still, you know, 25 plus years later, that it still bangs. It just bangs and bangs and bangs. It's probably my best record to date. And the reason why I call it uh, my best record to date is because it's lasted the longest. You know, Get a Red Hot, Fuji La, uh, Here Comes a Hot Stepper, and Major Look right. are a certain thing for Good me. Lord. Those four records, like, they capture a certain energy. Get a Red Hot and Major Look have something together. Here Comes a Hot Stepper right. just captured the moment. Fuji La right. just did a thing that was beyond. Yes. Um, but Get a Red Hot to this day, I still feel the the energy that was in D and D studios the night we did it. You know, it was me and Bobby Condors working on that together with uh Eddie Sancho, who you know became Premier's engineer after Premier heard him mix that. He was an assistant engineer before that. He actually uh nailed that mix, you know, just in one night. Me, Bobby Condors, Eddie Sancho and the D and D studio cat. You know, we got it done and you know, it was definitely Something that, you know, even on the beginning of the record, me and Bobby had our whole intro. Yo, Salam, what's up? Yo, what's up? This and that. And they just kept my vocal on the beginning of the record. Ah, ah. So whatever it is, it's like it's right before the little hit. It's a little ah. So I'm still on the record. I'm like, that's my voice. It's there. You know, and I've heard people sample my voice at the beginning and get a red hot. And big that's up Sadiqi, who was actually, um, you know, part of the promo team that we had back in the days. Feet to the street, and Sadiqi definitely would have been working the Bay Area, and I'm sure yeah. being around all that stuff. And I mean, you you know, you were not the first to use that Lou Donaldson sample, but I don't know if there's a better flip of it, especially combined with the drums on that joint. So it's like, woof. my my thing at that time was that. I was digging with everybody else. I was digging with, you know, Pete Rock, Q-Tip. You know, I was out, you know, we were all digging the same records trying to find stuff. But every time right. somebody used something for hip hop, I would put it yeah. in the reggae pile. Um, so in particular, Biddy's from the BK Lounge. Uh, De La Soul had that. And when I saw that right. De La used it for Biddy's from the BK Lounge, I put it in the reggae pile. Excuse me, would you take my order? I have to go. Shoshana's got a real job, Dad. Don't you oh, know? Yeah, it's you. Now I recognize yeah. the real, real bitty with the fake, fake eyes. Hey. Yo, can I interest you in some burgers and fries? Yes, you can. So when I went to make the reggae remixes, I would just literally be picking all the stuff that I thought was dope that somebody just used. You know, when I did Mac Daddy, Mac Daddy, I used, you know, Sad Feeling by Bobby Blaine because Bitch used it for Toilet Stool Rap. I used the drums because D Nice put it on crumbs on the table and I would just be blending them together. And the drums on, you know, get a red I still came back to SOBs, which tribe used on excursions. Big up right. Rashad Smith that was with me, you know, the night, the sad, silly college night when he got the SOBs and we came back to my house working on beats. And that's how I got the drums. Big up Rashad. You had the drums that you just got from Q-Tip and I sampled them and I used them and got a red hot. Thank you. 30 years later. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you'll be happy to hear that. I told everybody I gave him the drums. No, Q-Tip gave us the drums and I had the sampler. Yeah. But anyway, it's like if I drive you to McDonald's, guess what? Half that McDonald's is my McDonald's. Um, <laughs> organic McDonald's. But anyway. Yeah. So, I mean, that was just the best thing. That, that sample and everything on there. Like, you know, I'll just say it. The little geek is actually on, if you listen to Poor Righteous Teachers, Shaquilla, bigger Poor Righteous Teachers. People need to listen to them as well. Indeed. But if you yeah. listen to Poor Righteous Teachers, uh, Shaquilla, the Maynard Ferguson, that high squeak, Bobby was like, nah, don't use the whole thing. Let's just cut it down. And that became skeep. 
me deep into the crescent of a soul Making love mentally while conducting my control Like giving the time to express the perfect the way she feels Why you tell we not take back the chat? Sometimes some back and some of them are rally back But we a road Why you tell we not take back the chat? They pull a big chat and can't defend that If a deal house you come from we send it that's where that's from. Nobody Damn, would know that. Right. No, and all then, right. You know, ah, Intel. You know, all that stuff. That was a good stuff, but yeah, nobody would ever know that because they have to have the disc. Like I have the disc to know that that's what that is. But um, yeah, the beauty of it. I gave away something. A heat rock. Now there's gonna be some kid go. going to look for it and trying to figure it out. Indeed. <laughs> Let's bring this back to the Jungle Brothers and straight out the jungle. Salam, what is the fire track off this album for you? It's because I got it like that for me. Like that's that's my um Yes. That's my highest energy point. Um yeah. even though I love Al Hausu and what it became, because I got it like that with yes. just like so much raw energy. You know, the, the raw energy once again of the sly stone, you can make it if you try, but the way that they captured it and the fact that Keith Sweat keeps saying, ooh. Every two bars is like ding a ding a ding a ding a ding. Oh, that is right. Little bit of right there. Oh, I can't do Keith Sweat's voice. Sorry, Keith. But he, the fact that they had it in there, they were just so current with it. Don't get wet. Walk through the desert and don't even sweat. Play in the snow and don't get cold. I'm just a cool young brother who looks kind of old. Run around the world, school on the side. If I commit a crime and get caught, I slide. I got the ladies of town and money on the floor. There's not a thing in the world that I'm asking. It's my fire cut as well, even though I was going to say initially the promo, but then I forgot that, or remembered, I should say, that the promo was originally a 12-inch only cut that they then added on later pressings of the of the right. LP. So if I'm being strictly pedantic about it and only going with what was on the LP in 88, it's got to be because I got it like that. And partly, and this goes back to stuff that you were talking about in the front half, I mean, those the, the way in which they use those Sly and the Family Stone drums, it's so chunky. And I love any sample that sounds like a calliope. And so I feel like every component on this just works so well. Morgan, how about you? What's your fire track? Game time decision. Yeah, yeah. Because it depends on it depends on my mood. You know what I mean? When I'm feeling animated and amped, it's I'll house you. You know what I mean? But if there was only one song that I could play off of this album for the rest of my life, I'd still be torn, but I probably would lean towards behind the bush. Just because of the memories, right. the lyrics. Now I won't say that I'm a ladies' lover, but if I was, you'd be under my cover. Come on, I, I, I'm gone from then on. It's the voice, it's the vocals, it's the smoothed out. It's it gives me every possible thing I need. Climb up a tree, just you and me, cause that's the way that I wanted to be. Feel the breeze, put your mind at ease. See the pretty birds and the chimpanzees. After that, we stepped down to my hut, and together we split up a coconut. That's the one. It's beautiful. No, I'm so glad you brought up Behind the Bush because uh, you know, we, we talked a little bit earlier about the sleeper jams, right? Songs are slow, slow burners. And for me, I mean, the whole LP is kind of a slow burner because I came to it late. But I think if I had heard it back in the day, I probably would have gravitated to the more overtly energetic and funky songs like Because I Got It Like That or like Jimbrowski. But I think the older me now would gravitate more towards a song like Behind the Bush. And in particular, what I love about this production is it's that contrast between those hard, crackling, just dirty drums, but then that uber smooth melodic sample and that, and That's songs that, that manage that balance, I think, are just magical. So, yeah, it, it's uh, it's definitely my slow burner pick, and, and it would have become, I think, one of my favorite songs had I actually listened to this album back in 88 when it first came out. And how about favorite moments? For me, and this is something that Salam had mentioned also in the first half, it's that, and I, I'm guessing it's a guitar riff, but it's on I'm Going to Do Ya. I'm not even sure where that's from, and I, I guess I would need to go back to either of the two meter songs that get sampled for that. But I, I don't know if that's actually from either of those source so. uh, the sources, and you just don't expect to hear it. And even as many times as I've heard this song now, it it still catches me off guard when it drops in, and it's that surprise element that makes it one of my favorite moments. And so, yeah, if anyone out there listening knows where that's from, I'm I'm dying to know because it's I'm pretty sure it's not in the meter song. Morgan, how about you? Favorite moment. 
Well, real quick, I just wanted to add something else to because I got it like that. The other thing that makes that song fire for me is I love regional shout outs. And so as the song fades out and they're sh- shouting out various locales, I was just always hyped to see L.A. be in the equation right after New York. So I love how they end it. Right. Philly, Miami and such. No, Mike, we the Favorite moments, I would have to say, on the run. It's the way that the whole energy of the song changes, I think, about the one and a half mark. All of a sudden, the energy gets frenetic. It feels very cinematic. It feels like a movie within the song. Stop. Hold it. Freeze. Now. All it takes is that we break to change the energy for me. And then later on in the song, you hear the sirens. So it's sort of like a race, a party, drama, the apocalypse, um, and funk all together. So that's that's my favorite moment. How about you, Salam? It's kind of weird, but it's actually the opening um, rhyme on the album. Educated man from the motherland. You see, they call me a star, but that's not what I am. I'm a jungle brother, a true blue brother, and I've been to many places you never discover. Step to my just set the yeah. tone for explaining to you who I am, why I'm here, where I'm coming from, where I'm going. It was just, it was this own thing. And I was really, um, I'm really, you know, that, that, that's it for me, like that, that opening moment. Salam, if you had to describe straight out of the jungle in three words, what three words would you choose? Raw hip hop. Yes. There we go. Make sure my rhyme goes along with the groove. Never acting on the brother when it's time to rumble. My name's Mike G. Mike G. And I'm straight out of the jungle. But before we bounce, we always want to leave our audience members with something else dope to step to. So we always have some recommendations here. Morgan, do you want to start us off with what people should be listening to after Straight Out of the Jungle? Well, I'd love for them to just go uh, a year later and listen to Queen Latifah, All Hail the Queen. It is an album that changed the game um, for me. I think you'll see some similarities. Obviously, Queen's a member of Native Tongues Family Collective um, alongside Moni Love. You'll find some similarities uh, to, to Straight Out of the Jungle, especially the, the uh, social consciousness on the evil that men do. You have your house song, Come Into My House, um, which is a jam. And for house heads, that's it. You'll remember that getting bumped. Uh, you got great beats, courtesy of Prince Paul and others. And obviously, as the native tongues will want, want to do, appear on each other's tracks. And you got De La Soul on Mama Gave Birth to the Soul Children. So I'd say, I'd say stay in the 80s and get into Queen Latifah. To my queendom. Come one, come all. When it comes to lyrics, I bring them. In spring, I sing and fall. I call out to all the ones who had a hard day. I prepare a place on my dance floor. The time is now for you to party. I thought it would be for me, and this is obviously a reflection of as we we're talking about earlier, current events, but I'm certainly sitting with a lot of KMD right now, and to me, it makes sense to try checking out Mr. Hood, which was their debut album from 1991, and partly it's because KMD, to me, was a very distinctly post-Native Tongues group, especially uh, post-De La Soul, but it was also a first effort, and I think like in the same way that Straight Out of the Jungle was a first effort, you get a sense of the playfulness of these groups who are just throwing stuff at the wall to see what sticks. And as we'll get to, you know, eventually when we tape our, our uh, MF Doom episode, I think personally that KMD's second album, Black Bastards, was a better album overall. But it's the freshness of Mr. Hood that reminds me of the freshness of Straight Out the Jungle, which is why I would suggest people should check out uh, Mr. Hood as, as the, the follow-up listen to uh to the jb's album salam as our guest why don't you take us home here what would you recommend as a next listen uh after straight out the jungle 
I think the probably the album that I would suggest that people take a listen to that most people wouldn't know is a uh, Chill Rob G's Ride the Rhythm album. Ooh, great choice. Yeah. So with that album, you know, it has one of my favorite hip hop songs of all time. Court is now in session. You know, Chill Rob G, uh, for me, from his 12 inches, his dope rhymes, all the other stuff he would say, the way his, the title track, Ride the Rhythm, he had a voice that almost had the presence of a Chuck D, but he had agility and word flow. And like I said, Quarters Now in Session says so much. It does a serious amount of story and does so much to kind of pull it together. But I say he's really that guy, you know, and, and one of the things that out of that period, you know, it's one of my go-tos. Chirab G and Lati was probably my favorite out of the Slavery Union. He never had an album. He had singles, Discuss Got Flavor, and uh, No Tricks, and Wake Up, etc. But they just had a tone and a way that they would sit over 45 Kings tracks. That was something else. But Chirab G, Ride the Rhythm. Discover something new there. The system's older, the ace has been dealt, and now the holder. The name is Chilwell, there is a good God. My rep is not God, I won't commit fraud. Can't say I lied, there's nothing too high. I say with much pride, court is now in session. That's going to do it for this episode of Heat Rocks with our guest today, Salam Remy. So glad to, to have you. So glad to finally meet you. And uh, I love how you talk about music. So thank you for all the insight and thank you for choosing one of my favorite albums um, of all times. Um, let us know where we can find you on the socials and what's coming up for you next. Uh, my name is Salam Remy. That's pretty much what I am on everything. Uh, at Salam Remy, my label is Louder Than Life Records. And catch me there or everywhere as well um what's coming up next is i don't know i'm looking how to get off the grid <laughs> and leave some music on the grid leave some music on the grid and let me personally get off the grid i've done the majority of the billy holiday songs for andre day's uh actress debut with lee daniels directing the u.s versus billy holiday movie um, I have what, 10 songs on the soundtrack um, and that should start rolling out. The movie comes out in March. I think the soundtrack starts rolling out, you know, any minute now. Um, it's me doing the jazz thing, um, playing bass and drums across it. But that's the main thing I have coming out now. And then more videos off of my LP, Black on Purpose, which came out on 11-11. Yeah, it came out on 11-11, and I probably have two or three more videos coming off of that. And then, you know, more things like I've been doing in recent years, just EPs with artists that I really like, Terrace Martin and Momo Fresh, and all types of just left field, whatever I feel like in this. You've been listening to Heat Rocks with me, Oliver Wong and Morgan Rhodes. Our theme music is Crown Ones by Thess One of People Under the Stairs. Shout out to Thess for the hookup. Heat Rocks is produced by myself and Morgan, alongside Christian Duenas, who also edits, engineers, and does the booking for our shows. Our senior producer is Laura Swisher, and our executive producer is Jesse Thorne. We are part of the Maximum Fun family, taping every week live in their studios in the Westlake neighborhood of Los Angeles. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.